you know, I know when it happened, I was sitting in my head thinking, what could I have done different? Um, you know, when you ask someone how they're doing, do you really mean it? When you answer someone back, how are you doing? Are you, are you really telling them the truth? Um, you know, we live in a society of social networks and Twitter pages and Facebook, and that's, that's fine and stuff, but, you know, we have contact with our work associates, our family, our friends, and um, it seems like half the time we're more preoccupied with our phone and other things going on instead of the actual relationships we have in front of us. And hopefully people can learn from this and try to actually figure out if someone's battling something, you know, deeper on the inside than what they may be revealing on a day-to-day -day basis. What is up, Football Nation? Welcome to the 30th episode of the Football Nation Presents the Sportscasters podcast. It is December 5th here in Buffalo, New York, and we are very happy to bring you a program featuring a guest appearance by Adam Rank from the NFL Network and the NFL.com and all those kinds of NFL-type things. Uh, my name is Steve Bennett. I'm the host <laughs> of this show, and the co-host is Don Russ. What's up, Don? Hey, that's so funny to me that uh, we sometimes record one out of three. hours of shows and forget to mention our names. Yeah, but, yeah hey, what's One up? out of three, we mention our names. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show last week. Uh, Tim Layden was our guest from SI.com and Sports Illustrated, and he really had some really interesting things to say for Notre Dame fans and uh, college football fans, and NFL fans. So if you have a chance, if you haven't heard it, and you'd like to check it out, all you have to do is go to www.footballnation.com and click on the podcast tab across the top of the front page. We'll tear down a wall here. Uh, I wasn't there for that interview, and we're still putting together the podcast, so I haven't listened to it. Does he give you a winner? Does he predict a winner of that of the championship game? Um, well, at the time, since that was last week, Alabama hadn't, oh, hadn't played Georgia yet, <laughs> so there was uh, no. All right, I'm all confused. No opponent. Although he did say that he thought Alabama was a better opponent for Notre Dame than Georgia. All right, I got to pay attention to all all the words you're saying. I guess. Yeah, that would help. <laughs> all right, so like I said before, Adam Rank is the guest today. Uh, we have an email which we'll share with you later, and we'll close the show out with one last thing. Before that, we are going to get things started with three things. Count of three. One. All righty. I'll take it off. Two. The oil patterns on a PBA lane are very, very difficult. Three. I might be able to beat Jamarcus Russell at quarterback. <laughs> this is the funnest night ever. <laughs> All right, first piece of business today, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty of the NFL schedule, and I say to you, NFL schedule, where where are you going? Why are you leaving us yeah, I know. so quickly? Um, week 14 is here, which means there's... Uh, 14, 15, 16, 17, four weeks left of the NFL season, and I am not looking forward to it ending. Uh, but we got a great game this week, a really great game, a game I've been looking forward to 
for quite a few weeks, and that is the Chiefs Browns. Chiefs and Browns, exactly. <laughs> no, that is the uh, matchup between the New England Patriots and the Houston Texans. Yeah, Monday night got a good game. Uh, basically, if Houston wins that game, they're gonna lock up home field advantage for themselves or get pretty darn close to it. And if New England can win that game, not only can they will they prove they can beat what is the best in their conference based on record, but they can also say that they're still the boss right. of the AFC. That game's played in their building, and uh, I think the onus is on Houston to go in there and show that they're a team that can win that game. Yeah, we're going to talk to Rank, like you said, and uh, he's a fantasy guy. You think Texans, I shouldn't say Texans fans, I should say Arian Foster fans, I think they're worried at all that the Texans win that game and then deep into your fantasy playoffs, they've already kind of started cutting back on Foster's workload a little bit. Absolutely. I think you're. I think the Texans and the Falcons are the players fantasy people should be, should be worried about, a worried bit. about yeah. right now. A lot of games this week that suck, too. <laughs> Broncos Raiders, uh, not a good game. I expect the Broncos to walk away with that one handily. I mean, it's a division game, but so what? Uh, the Broncos look solid. They look every bit on their way to that first-round dream matchup of uh, Broncos v. Colts. Bills-Rams, again. What's interesting from the Bills fans' point of view, if you try to draw interest out of the Bills season at this point, uh, the Bills have won five games this year. They've beaten all bad teams. And really the only distinct win they can kind of hang their hat on in the last couple of years is the Patriots win like week two last year. They don't beat good teams. Whether or not the Rams are a good team is kind of arguable too, but they have beaten and tied the 49ers. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what, what the Bills can do against a team with a good defense that looks like a maybe an up-and-coming team. I don't know if you can quite call the Rams that, but competitive team anyway. This is about as ugly of an NFL schedule as I've ever seen. Yeah, Cowboys-Bengals is a good game, I guess. Uh, not a lot of history there, but both teams fighting for a playoff spot. Still, the only team featuring teams with winning records is the Texans and the Patriots. Featuring two teams with winning records? Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of garbage. Like you said, Chiefs-Browns. Nobody's turning into that. Eagles-Bucks should probably be a Buccaneers blowout. Who wants to watch the Falcons beat up the Panthers? The Jaguars and Jets is a totally throwaway game. The only thing you got with the Panthers is you got some of the uh, Cam Newton. I think there's still a little bit of the shine on just maybe people that haven't seen him yet. Titans and Colts is a snore. Uh, Bears-Vikings isn't too bad. Giants-Saints could be good depending on which Saints team show or which Drew Brees. We talked about that kind of at length in the other podcast, but which Drew Brees is going to show up there? The, the Drew Brees of the last two games or the, the Drew Brees that is – one of the best quarterbacks ever. Uh, I mean, I guess you could say the same thing about Eli. Uh, is it going to be the Eli that throws for 4,000 yards without all the picks, or is it going to be the Eli that throws three picks a game? Ravens and Redskins isn't bad. You no, know it's what? a pretty good game. The last couple of weeks I've been noticing how NBC hasn't been flex using their flex privileges. Um, hmm. Last week they decided not to flex out the horrible Eagles because of the Cowboys versus the Cowboys because of 
oh, the Cowboys are the greatest draw in the world. And this has to be because of Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, the- So this is because they don't want to flex out the Packers. What would you flex? Well, that was that's what I was going to say is I've been killing them for not flexing them, but out, now I'm looking at this schedule and it's like, well, what game are you going to put in there? I think the only two you could maybe even think about would Bears, be Bears, Vikings, Vikings and, and Ravens yeah. and Redskins. Yeah, and I just don't think they have... Maybe Cowboys and Bengals. Ravens, Redskins might have that draw because, yeah, Cowboys, Bengals too. The but, problem is is that Fox probably, um, probably has that game protected, I would guess. Cowboys game? Yeah. Yeah, Redskins, I mean, you got RG3 there. Get him back on prime time. I don't know. I, I might have flexed that game, but I guess you've got a lot of star power, a lot of fantasy implications. I'm not sure. That has to be a part of it, right? I mean, when, yeah. they, go, oh, when they make these decisions, they have to acknowledge that there's millions of fantasy players out there. you got Calvin Johnson, Matthew Stafford, Michael Ashore now. Even though the so, Lions suck, they got I some mean, players. I might have been harsh in my, in my own mind, really. I didn't really talk to anyone about this, but uh, really puzzled by NBC's decision to just not flex anything so far, and I guess... When did, when can they start that? Like after week 10 or something? After week 9? I think they, this is the third game, this one, Lions that would have been Packers eligible. is the third one that they didn't flex. I forget what the one before Packers... Historically, or, have they flexed many games? They usually flex. They, like like every, as soon as they can, they flex whenever they just go nuts. Uh, you uh, wouldn't say they just go nuts, but a lot of times they got stinkers. Uh, it was Packers-Giants. Was the first one that they didn't fox. So oh, yeah. that made sense. Right, right. Yeah, so I guess there hasn't really been one we can argue about too much this year. But yeah, not a ton of marquee matchups. Seahawks, Cardinals, that game should be terrible. I mean, the Seahawks, the Cardinals, any game the Cardinals are in probably from here until the rest of the way out is probably going to be the worst game on TV until they get a quarterback back in there. I'll tell you what, if there's a week, if you have to sacrifice a Sunday to put the Christmas lights up, this might be the one to do it. Yeah, especially if you're a Cardinals, Bills. I mean, the Bills won't be on TV anyway, most likely, right? Has that been officially canceled yet? Uh, Thursday's the day. Yeah, I don't expect the Bills to have any home games on TV anymore. Uh, it's kind of been the December tradition lately, unfortunately, around here. But, yeah, not not a lot of great games. Pro- I want to say one thing about that. There's the 85% rule, right? And we've talked about that where teams can lower their blackout standard to 85% of all premium seats. Right. The Bills declined to do it because they said that they usually don't reach that threshold anyway. Okay. Well, then why don't you do it because of the goodwill that comes (laughs) with doing it? Yeah, they don't. Because you don't have to pay the money until you air the game. It's a pretty defeatist attitude, too, that you're not going to do it because we don't even sell 85% of our tickets. That, that the, Don't get me started on that. And the Bills have a great fan base. They they really do. Being in this area, the Buffalo Bills, the Buffalo Sabres, people live and die with those teams. They just need a team that shows that they care about that fan base, and they don't. I don't blame people for not going. I haven't gone to a Bills game at all this year, and I don't have any desire to. I'd rather be home on my TV, where watching my TV where it's warm and have the Red Zone Network. And the Bills haven't brought; they don't bring me to this stadium. I mean, if and that's a league-wide problem, that's not just a Don problem. Right, right. All right, all right. Uh, let's move on. Your second thing. All right, my second thing today. Uh, did anyone bother to take a look at 
the other BCS bowl games besides the BCS national championship game because they are horrible. They are the most horrendous collection of football games I may have ever seen in my life. And for everybody, I don't exactly know how it works. Some there's if you win a con, if you win a conference tie-ins, right? If you win a conference, you automatically get a BCS bid, right? And then there's some at-large bids that go to teams who maybe lost, like someone lost the SEC champion, obviously. Like, right, but I, I heard Georgia is not going to play in a BCS bowl game, which is ridiculous to me. Weren't they the third-ranked team? Georgia overall? is not. Uh, Florida got in over them because Florida only has one loss, and Georgia has two now. So somewhere we're watching like the winner of the MAC instead of watching Georgia, the number three team in the country. Because here are the games. Get ready. I'm ready. January first, from Pasadena, California. The Rose Bowl. The winners. Of the Pac-12, <laughs> Stanford. Okay, that's a team. Versus the winners, quote, unquote, of the Big Ten, Wisconsin, quote, unquote, because, of course, Ohio State Ohio State won all their games. Right. But is banned from bowl participation this year. Okay. So, that one's not even that bad. No, it's not. Now, you ready for bad? Yes. Later that night, from Miami, the Discover Orange Bowl. Okay, Orange Bowl, a lot of tradition there. For all the oranges. For all the oranges. Florida State. You got excited. You dropped your microphone. Yeah, Florida State. Okay, that's a good team. Yeah, the winners of the ACC versus Northern Illinois University, the winners of the MAC. There it is. <laughs> okay, what are, they got odds on these yet? Lions, I'm putting you on the spot there. I'm sure they do, but I don't have them in front of me. That's got to be an ugly line, right? So you look for the you look for the right, odds right. while I read the other two gems. The next one, the Allstate Sugar Bowl, January second from New Orleans, Florida. Winners of nothing <laughs> versus Louisville. The winners of the Big East, which is arguably a worse conference than the MAC. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> That'll get you the TV. Yeah, but Georgia's not going to play in any of these games. And then the best one, one I can't even mock, the Tostitas Fiesta Bowl. They should call it the Totitas Choke Bowl. Kansas State versus Oregon, <laughs> January 3rd in Glendale, Arizona. A matchup of the two teams. That, that blew it. Ruined their chances at a national championship within yeah, minutes of each other. They both could be playing in the uh, BCS title game right now, right? Would either of them not have played? Going undefeated, would they have put a one loss team over either of them? No. You think? No. Now, the BCS, the first game is January 1st, and the second game is January 1st. Double header for New Year's Day, you know? Okay, sure. And then the Sugar Bowls is second. And the Fiesta Bowl is the third. So the BCS National Championship game is the fourth, right? No, it's like three weeks later or something yeah, stupid, right? Yeah, it's the seventh. Oh, okay, three days later. Yeah, so... But at that point, neither team will have played 
in some ridiculous amount of time. All right, here's the opening lines according to Sporting News. Oh, they're still around. Good for them. Northern Illinois versus Florida State. That's the biggest thinker of all of them probably. Florida State's a 13.5-point favorite. Uh, the Rose Bowl, Stanford's a 6-point favorite. Louisville is a 14.5-point dog at Florida. And Kansas State is an 8-point underdog at Oregon. And just for good measure, Alabama's a 9-point favorite over Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean... Man, that makes me want to put a little money on Notre Dame. That just feels like a three-point game to me. It just does. No, I mean obviously I the way that Notre Dame plays defense, it just feels like a th- it just feels like a three-point game to me. Yeah, um, I follow somebody on Twitter. I can't think of their name right now. Maybe I'll bring it up when you're doing your next thing. But uh, I think it might just be called like Sportsbook or something like that. And they just tweet lines and the way people are betting, which is kind of a cool thing. Like. I'd be interested to hear what they have to say about that. I bet you all – granted, when a line looks like that, though, unless they think there's more SEC fans out there than Notre Dame fans, but Notre Dame fans got to be pretty bullish about that line. they got to be thinking, I'm getting nine points. I mean, there's got to be a lot of people thinking that Notre Dame's the the right bet there. And usually Vegas doesn't screw that up too much. So I'm not sure. It would be interesting, interesting to check that out. I'll see if I can find anything about it. Maybe t- say it next week. My second thing this week, congratulations to RG3 and the Redskins, uh, most notably Alfred Morris. But uh, RG3 first set the rookie quarterback rushing record and still has four games to play to try to catch Michael Vick's 2006 all-time QB rushing record for with 1,039 yards. Probably won't hit that, but RG3 currently has 714 yards. Uh, I mentioned on the other show that RG3 and Alfred Morris set a record for one of them odd records where there's records for everything, but it's the first rookie tandem, quarterback-running back tandem, to pass for over 2,000 yards and to rush for over 1,000 yards. So real nice season for the Redskins. And I think if you were looking at the beginning of the year as a Colts fan or a Redskins fan, you had to be excited regardless but the fact that these guys are this good, this quick, has got to be exciting. And I know people will point to Cam Newton a little bit when talking about RG3. But Cam Newton's ownership and team have done nothing around him to help him. And Daniel Snyder will do anything he can to help the Redskins win. And he's got two young guys that look good in place. And Pierre Garçon looks good. And... They're probably not going to make the playoffs this year, but they're making some noise, and they might be a dangerous team next year in a division that will probably be down. I mean, I shouldn't say that. I don't know how the Giants will be. They're always unpredictable, but Dallas doesn't look great, and uh, who am I forgetting about? The Eagles are terrible, so good for them. And I'm going to throw in my Reddit stat of the week here because of my, my last thing being a little more sensitive. Andre Johnson recently was uh, had a picture taken with these giant Toys R Us receipts. Well, apparently he spent about $19,000 on Christmas gifts to give to kids that are in the care of CPS. Uh, I'm a new father. I can't imagine having my kid taken away. I don't like to hear about anything bad happening to kids because they don't deserve it. Uh, they don't put themselves in these bad situations. So I can't think of a nicer way to help these kids out that are just in terrible situations than... 
maybe giving them a little bit of a little bit of love and some toys and stuff on Christmas. So Andre Johnson's always been kind of known as one of the nicest guys in the NFL, and he just continues to prove it. So good for you and uh, good for those kids. Hopefully they can uh, find themselves in better situations. All right, I don't mean to be so college heavy, but by the time we do our next, someone's sh- got to be. By the time we do our next show, uh, the Heisman Trophy will have been given away. And today, the three finalists, or the three players that will be invited to the club where the um, award is given away, were announced. Uh, Texas A&M freshman quarterback Johnny Manziel. Notre Dame senior linebacker Mante Teow and Kansas State quarterback Colin Klein are the three finalists. No freshman has ever won the award. Johnny Manziel is a redshirt freshman. Uh, Teo is a senior, and I'm not quite sure about Klein. He's a junior or a senior or something like that. It's Johnny Football, right? Yeah, Johnny Football. <laughs> um, Sounds like it's between those two, Teo and... Yeah, I was going to say this. Klein, enjoy the trip to New York. Yeah. Eat a nice steak. You get to be on TV in a nice suit. But don't plan on having your name called. Yeah, you yeah. lost that award when your team blew the chance at the national championship. Probably don't have to prepare a speech. No. So that means it comes down to Manziel and Teo. Which really comes down to two separate Heisman Trophy cliches. One, I don't vote for freshmen. <laughs> And two, I don't vote for defense. I don't vote for defensive players. (laughs) So, is it going to be Johnny Football, the freshman, or is it going to be Teo, the defenseman? Now, last week when Layden was on the show, he hadn't prepared his ballot yet, but he did say Klein was going to be third, right? And that either Manziel or Teo would be one. On his on his list with the other one being two. You know what? I just think that it might be the right year for a freshman to finally win this thing. Hmm. People are people are there are people out there who are not. They're gonna. There's. Remember a few years back, 2006. Derek Jeter finished second. Yeah, yeah, in the AL MVP, and the big reason was because someone had him sixth and someone had him eighth. Right. And if either of them would have voted him like third, he would have won. Right. There could be some idiots out there who just don't believe freshmen should win this award, who still believe freshmen shouldn't even play varsity football, who will leave him off the ballot or who will put him at the bottom. Yeah. And that could hurt him. But I think that... Enough has changed. Voters have gotten younger. A lot of those voters who won't vote for freshmen or who lived in an era where freshmen didn't win awards like this will be gone. And there's going to be a lot of support for Teo, and he'd be a very, very deserving winner. Well, that's what I was going to say. Human nature might come into play where it's supposed to be a one-year award, but maybe Teo gets kind of a lifetime achievement award type vote and that has happened in the past so it is very interesting though i think the last defensive player to win i can't remember who it is uh 
but they said he was also like a punt returner and yeah. a kick returner and had a lot of success there too. So he was an all around really good player. This is a defensive, defensive player. Here's what I'd say about it. Manziel has that Alabama win. That signature moment yeah. on national TV where he pretty much single handedly defeated the seemingly unbeatable number one team in the country. And I don't think anyone's going to forget that. And when you think of Notre Dame's season, I think you think a lot more of the breaks Defense they got. A, well, yeah. I think you think of things like the Stanford running back who was in but wasn't called in. Or the kicker who missed a kick. And not only did he miss the kick, but there was two number twos out there. So it should have been a first down even closer with the kicker having another opportunity after three downs if they hadn't scored a touchdown to win the game. So I think it's going to be that signature moment of Manziel beating beating uh, Alabama and the cool nickname and the kind of mysteriousness behind him given the fact that due to a rule at Texas A&M that doesn't allow freshmen to speak, we don't know a lot about the kid. Right. So, interesting, interesting. I'm going to say it ends up Manziel, Teo, Klein. All right, my last thing this week, we kind of talked about it at length and we already ran out of music on this podcast. So, to keep it tight, uh, if you haven't heard about the Jovan Belcher story, you're living under a rock. Uh, tragedy guy shoots his wife or longtime girlfriend, sorry, and then goes to the facility to tell the, his coach coaches he, he told to coach Romeo Crinnell take and care GM of, Scott Peel take care of his kids and they tried to talk him out of it but he eventually ended up shooting himself we talked about it a long time on our other podcast so if you wanted to go a little more in depth you could check it out over there but let me just read the end of an article from sbnation.com where you you heard the clip earlier from Brady Quinn the author says, and I should give the author credit here, Ryan Van Bibber, who I'm not sure who that is, but he writes for SBNation.com, says, Tens of millions of Americans struggle with mental health issues, some more serious than others. The most important takeaway from all this is just to take Quinn's advice. Talk to someone. Over the next week, we're about to hear or we're about to experience an endless stream of sermonizing and suggestions, outrage and horror for, sense, for a senseless act of violence committed by a man who obviously needed help. Ignore all of it. Just remember Quinn's words, his call to action. Get to know a friend. Spend more time with your son or daughter. Call your mother. Talk to your spouse. Those connections make life richer and make all of us healthier and happier people. Um, and I couldn't agree more. It's a tragedy, and it's going to be sad in Kansas City for a while. There's a little baby there that doesn't have parents now. Uh a mother that's going to have to deal with what her son did. So the rest of us who are watching from the outside and uh, try to just learn something from it. If, if nothing else, try to make, it's hard to spin a positive from this, but if it for one second, like Brady Quinn said, can make you lift your head from Facebook and Twitter, which we all love. And he even said, we're not knocking, but get to know people. Uh, maybe someone could have saw this coming. I know the Chiefs tried to help him and just couldn't. Maybe he was just beyond help. But uh, sad story. Uh, try to take something positive from it, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I don't have much to add other than my prayers and thoughts 
are with those affected by the tragedy. I hope something good could come out of it. And I have to say, I don't want to speculate. All I have to say is the first thing I thought of when I heard this was CTE. Yeah, sad in today's NFL. Be really anxious to find out if CTE played a role in this. Because we're talking about a young kid here, 25 years old. Right. So it's very sad. God bless everyone involved, and hopefully something good could come out of it. Our next guest is a native of Southern California and is a graduate of Cal State Fullerton. He's a stand-up comedian, gives fantasy advice on NFL.com and the NFL Network while co-hosting the Dave Damashek football program. A warm sportscaster's welcome to one of the funniest guests we've ever had, Adam Rank. What's up, Adam? Hey, thanks for having me. And don't put that, when you give me the label of funniest, you know, then I feel like i got to come out and perform. And I feel like that, you know, the frog, you know, from that, that thing where it's just outside the bar. So, hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. And then it gets inside the bar and then nothing. Right. So nothing. it's a lot of pressure to live up to. I understand. I understand that. Well, you know what else is a lot of pressure to live up to is going on TV and giving fantasy football advice and then having your own teams. Because I imagine there's a perception that with the exception of maybe leagues that you're in, uh, with other people who talk about fantasy football on TV, that you should win every time. So I'm curious, how did your teams do this year? That is the perception that everybody just can't seem to wrap their heads around. Is they're like, you you must win every league, right? And I'm like, well, Lord, this still how many win the World Series of Poker every year? No, but he's probably the best poker player going. But there's a big difference between doing the right things and then still having the cards lay out for you correctly. So you can be, you know, as informed as possible and know the uh, statistics back and forth and know the trends and everything, but we're still talking about human beings playing a game that is fallible. You know, that things can go wrong and things don't go according to plan, so it doesn't always work out. And it's funny that you bring up that, you know, I have, all these leagues with guys who are on the show or whatever. We have two, so quote-unquote, experts leagues. Dominated those. We'll be going to the playoffs in both of those leagues. My league of record with my buddies from Corona, California, where I'm from, guys I've known since the first grade. I am not making the playoffs in that one. I actually <laughs> had a 76 record and didn't make it. So you, you can't make, you know, it's like when you see one of those pros in their early stages of the World Series, the poker gets down to stuff. Like, oh, I guess it happens to everybody. Phil Ivey's out, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess that happens in fantasy, too. And, uh, of course, yeah, I, I need to point out, my friends take great delight in me not being in the playoffs. Oh, I bet. And you were talking about, you know, getting all the cards and or getting everything in the right place, but you still need the cards to fall. I know this can sometimes be boring, but... Uh, I was in a basically essentially in a game for the bye. The winner would get the bye, and the loser would get the uh, would have to play this week. And I, when it came down to my flex spot, I kind of had a hole because of the Percy Harvey inj- Percy Harvey injury. And I right. had two choices: Hilton and Broyles. 
and to me it was a complete coin flip. And I picked Broyles yeah. because he was going against the 32nd pass defense in the league. Well, Broyles tore up his knee. Hilton had a good game. If I would have went the other way, I would have had the bye. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it comes down to small decisions like that. I mean, you look at that, you made the right decision. I mean, well, if you could see the future, of course you wouldn't have made that decision. But based on the information you had and playing the odds, so to speak, yeah, of course Broyles was a great play. I mean, I had something similar, too, where I had to choose between Josh Gordon and Reggie Bush, and one of our one of the guys on our show, I won't mention who he is, but his name rhymes with Michael Fabiano, was going on and on about, oh, the weather in Oakland is going to be so terrible, they won't be able to throw the ball. And I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. And, the, and you know, Reggie Bush was playing in one of those 10 a.m. games, so I didn't have the luxury of waiting around to see if, you know, Oh, what is the weather going to be like in Oakland? So I'm like, ah, all right, so I'll bench Gordon. That happened. I didn't. That, it did come down to that. I lost. I, we came down because we had four teams with seven and six records, and I don't want to get too in depth in this. But we had four teams with seven and six records, and the tiebreaker was total points, and I lost by three. So, you know, stuff happens in leagues that uh, ten, in leagues that play for seashells. Do you like it uh, for the seashells to just de- be distributed to, say, the top three playoff teams? Or do you like to see a weekly seashell for top uh, score each week or maybe a certain amount of seashells given to the team that has the most points over the season? What's your theory on seashells if leagues choose to play for them? Well, if you I, – I, I, I'm – this is all news to me that people would do such a thing. I thought it was just for the pure enjoyment and sport of it. But if you did do something like that, I think the best way to go about it would be seashells for the first two, the top two guys, the top two teams. Uh, do a weekly do a weekly winner for the highest score, and if uh, and uh, over the course of the season, you know whoever has the most points over the entire year heading into the playoffs. Uh, they should get the seashells that they invested back. It's a nice little bonus because sometimes the person with the most points isn't the one who wins the uh, wins the entire league. If uh, if you if you if you had a tough year this year, if if you didn't make the playoffs, there's probably a couple of guys that you may have drafted with one of your first few picks that really got you this year. Who are some of the biggest fantasy goats that just put teams in a position that they couldn't recover from. Well, you talk about one guy who was hurting at the end of the year. You were talking about Percy Harvin, a guy who a lot of us had been counting on. And then when he went down, we had to kind of scramble, 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 scramble. Sorry, I'm inventing words now. We had to scramble and go out and get a lot of options, and that's where you started coming down to decisions of like having to play Reggie Bush in a flex spot or, or things of that nature. So he's been the problem. Eric Decker has been a problem recently, like when you've been on a big playoff push. You know, Eric Decker was so good earlier in the season and getting the ball into the end zone that the last couple of weeks you kept playing him and he really hurt you. I mean, he's another guy. I mean, as much as I bemoan the fact that I started Bush over Josh Gordon, if I would have started Gordon over Eric Decker last week, which would have seemed insane given the matchup, then that's another one that hurt too. So those guys have been hurtful. And it just seems like... The league of, my league of record, the one I didn't make, I drafted Cam Newton in the first round. And now Cam Newton has been coming on as of late. And the guy who I traded 
Cam Newton is actually benefiting from this. But he's been a guy, it just seems to me, if you drafted a quarterback with your first pick, you are probably struggling in that, in that league because there's just not enough running backs to go around. And it seemed like, you know what, this is a quarterback league. This is how we have to change it up, start doing, start going quarterbacks in the first round. But you can't do that. You got to go back to the old school way. Go back, get your running back, because if you look at a quarterback who are able to help you out, you know, guys like Peyton Manning, you got later in dress. RG3, Andy Luck, guys you got later in dress. Even Matt Ryan was probably drafted in the fourth, fifth round. You weren't investing a high draft pick on him, whereas you were for Cam Newton, you were for Matthew Stafford. So that, that's the big thing. Anybody who drafted, I would be interested. Even if you drafted Aaron Rodgers, he's not having the kind of season you would expect that if you pass Darian Foster, for instance, for Rodgers, you're probably not doing as well as you could. Yeah, a lot of people probably kicking uh, themselves for this. Here's a, here's here's an, an issue, and I'm, I'm curious to get your to get your opinion on. Um, there is a league where that I play in where there's a, a keeper elements of the league, and this year a phenomenon came about where people who were out of it decided to trade their best players um away to teams the keeper part is is rookies there's a separate rookie draft which is really silly but whatever so the keepers that you can keep are rookies and what we've seen happen this year is people are trading away adrian peterson for robert griffin the third and then maybe they throw a couple you know tomato and a potato in there um and it's really strengthening teams this year while the other team is hoping to strengthen their team in the future. You say yay or nay on this? Yeah, I always like the idea of looking forward ahead of drafts and everything. And I play in a keeper league, and a couple of years ago when we started it, we it was the year after, it was the year Tom Brady wrecked his team. And when that happened, I noticed that the guy who had Tom Brady had released him. So in week 15, I went and picked him up. Now, I didn't keep them because I had a pretty solid group of keepers, but I prevented that guy from keeping them for the following year, and he went into the draft, and as luck would have it, I ended up drafting him, and I held on to him, and I've been my quarterback in that league ever since. And this year, too, you know, it's a strategy that you got to play. Like, we have a lot of keepers. It's not a, it's not a dynasty league, per se, but it, we keep eight guys. And so my first pick, you know, instead of trying to strengthen – my team, like with a position player, uh, I actually drafted Andrew Luck with my first pick, and everybody was just kind of like, oh, that seems odd. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, Tom Brady's not going to be around forever. Andy Luck's going to be my guy, you know, in the future. So you take a risk like that. So I think it's a good move. Like, depending if you're out of the playoffs and things like that, always try to look to the future. I, I would say this, too. If you got a chance to go for a title, you go for a title. But, you know, and if you're out of it, you got a chance to look to uh, – Next couple of years, I think you take that tag too. Well, you know what? At this point, uh, everything else is trivial. You're either in in the playoffs or you're not. Um, when you put out, when you put together a playoff lineup, does your mentality need to change at all from when you filled out your lineup in week 13, or should you have the same exact mindset? Well, it, I think it, it is different, and the biggest. Differences on Thursday night games where 
teams have been pretty terrible. I mean, there hasn't been a lot of great fantasy performances outside of Andre Brown in Week 2 against the Panthers. So there is a little bit of anxiety when you go into these Thursday games. Now, Eric Decker has a great matchup going up this week against the uh, Oakland Raiders. Now, in the past, if you look at that matchup, you know what? If it's if it's week 12, if it's week 11, I might be like, you know what? He's due. I just have a feeling about it. I'll go with him, and I would probably play him. But, you know, this being the playoffs and me being in a position where I've got a couple of nice options with Colston and Cobb and everything, I can actually just lay out and be like, you know what? I'm not going to risk it. It's the playoffs. I can't go into it on Thursday night and then look at a donut or a bagel because he just hasn't been scoring lately. I mean, maybe he could switch, but I can't take that risk in the playoffs. So, yeah, it does change my mindset a little bit. I don't go I don't go as crazy, risky plays, whatever. I tend to go with more established guys, even if they've been burning me in recent weeks, too, which I guess is contradicting myself about Decker. But uh, I guess the, the mindset is, is I probably do play. I, I guess maybe I'm the Marty Schottenheimer of fantasy football, and I'm starting to play as chief conservative. But I don't play. I play mostly the guy as opposed to the matchup. I guess. What about you? Do you do you find yourself switching it up? I like to play my studs. That's kind of my thing. You know, I like to play the guys that got me there. I try not to overthink it. Um, I I'm kind of a cerebral fantasy player. I try to play. I try to I try to play the way I play, regardless of the situation. You know, if I, I'm not a big matchup guy. I'm more, I did a lot of prep, I, the most preparation I do is in the summer, and uh, that doesn't mean I can't learn during the season, but these guys were my best players for a reason, and I, I like to stick with them, and sometimes that's worked, and sometimes being stubborn like that has cost me. Yeah, I mean, but it's only, it's, again, I think continue to use, like, uh, analogies to, like, Poker or whatever, but yeah, the way you play should always try to remain consistent. And another big one too, like I get a lot of is, is Matt Ryan. Because a lot of people are asking, you know, what do I do? Should I should I put in Russell Wilson, who's been playing great lately? And this is a situation where I think we would probably be in concert here. Whereas, like, you know what? I'm going with Matt Ryan. I understand he's been struggling lately. I understand that Russell Wilson's been on a tear lately. But you know what? Russell Wilson is still a rookie. You know, and we sometimes get caught up too much and like, oh, this guy's playing great. And we do forget these guys are rookies. Remember last year, Red Dalton had great playoff matchups and everybody was going crazy. Like, got to play this guy, got to play this guy. And even with great matchups, he struggled. And you probably, you know, it would have cost you if you would have played him instead of one of your established studs. So I realized that Matt Ryan might not be playing great, but I'm going to throw that off the window and realize it's Matt Ryan. It's a guy who's been carrying my team for most of the season, and he's still one of the one of the best fantasy quarterbacks out there. I would still go with him. And you know what? If I go down and I lose, when I look at my bench, I want to see bench players. I don't want to see a guy drafted in the fourth round. You know what I mean? That that would just yeah. be something I just wouldn't be able to stomach. You know? Yeah. So. Well, I, yeah. It's a big thing too. Is I always like to explain is that, you know what, if you play your stud and he doesn't play well, you know what, that's on that player. Right. You, drafted, yep. you drafted Andre Johnson in the second round and he goes out and he doesn't play well, 
Well, you know what? I go through the offseason going, you know what? Andre Johnson ruined me. But, you know what? If I'm playing matchups and I'm like, you know, I got a really good feeling about Chris Gibbons and I play him, he stinks. And then Andre Johnson has 40 points on my bench. Well, then I got to go through the offseason going, you know what? I'm an idiot for benching my guy. Yep, exactly. I don't want that. I, I don't want to carry that with me through the offseason. I would rather blame, like, I blame Eli Manning for me losing last year. I knew I probably could have gotten creative and found a better matchup because he was going against the Redskins in week 15 last year. But no, I could blame Eli Manning. It's his fault, not mine. Now, the only way I consider changing that strategy a little bit is if, say, I was lucky enough to get to the championship game as a lower seed, not a great team. And I'm facing the juggernaut, and I know that somewhere I need to find a home run. Um, are there any home runs left out there still? You know, is there anything? It's really, uh, I mean, it's really <laughs> hard to find them right now. I mean, yeah. I guess Russell Wilson, the guy we were just talking about, is the guy who has the potential to be that guy. But you would really have to be, you know, hurting at quarterback. Let's say you drafted Michael Vick, and you've just been putting in a carousel of guys. At quarterback, then yeah, then that's where you can take a chance. Or somebody like Josh Gordon, who I was just talking about earlier, like, you know what? I really don't feel good about my receivers. I got a chance for a flex spot. Because Josh Gordon always seems to be good for a bomb here and there. So I'm like, yeah. So uh, I, I could play somebody like that. But, you know, when you're looking at sleep, and I have to continue to tell people and remind them, like, yeah, you know, when we're looking for sleepers or whatever, you know, we're not starting them over studs. But, there are some guys, like even T.Y. Hilton this week, uh, somebody that you set, or that you benched last week, um, he, he has a chance to go out and have a, he's got a good matchup this week against the Titans. Like you can find those guys and you can play them. And I'm with you. You know, if you have one of those teams, you're like, you know what, I'm six and seven. I stuck in. Like, I'm playing with house money at this point. If I, right. I'll do something crazy there. But no, if I have like one of my good teams, I'm with you. I'm like real, like, no, I'm going with my guys and see how it goes. Uh, okay, last thing. So here we are, week 14, first week of the playoffs. How about you just give me a couple of guys that you think have to be in the lineup and a couple of guys that maybe you don't sit, but you temper your expectations for a bit. Yeah, um, well, you know, we'll start with the Thursday night games. Peyton Manning, obviously a guy that you start. Andrew Luck is a guy that I really like this week. If Bryce Brown comes back and he's playing and LaShawn McCoy does not return for the Eagles, he's a guy who is now establishing himself as a pretty good running back. And for whatever reason, Andy Reid was ignoring LaShawn McCoy. They're doing the opposite with Bryce Brown. And it doesn't seem that the fumbles really bother him much because the season's lost anyway. Let's see what this guy can do. They continue to run him out there no matter what he does with the rock and put him on the ground. Demarius Thomas. You play tonight. Eric Decker, I'm going to bench him this week. And I'm doing this as a service to all fantasy enthusiasts out there who have to play Eric Decker. I'm benching him, so I'm guaranteeing him 20 points. He's <laughs> going to go out there and have a huge week. Uh, Brandon Myers is a weird one, too, because he's it's a Thursday night game. I don't really like to trust the guys too much on Thursday night. Uh, I'm going to go with him, unless you have Jimmy Graham or Aaron Hernandez. And Larry Fitzgerald is the one that's really stood out to me. And I re- we talked about this on the Monday show where you have Larry Fitzgerald. And when you're coming off a bad game that I'm so impetuous that I'm like, I want to cut this guy. I'm going to let him go. You know, and like I'm ranting and raving. 
And then by Friday, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go with Larry Fitzgerald. I've got three receivers. I don't want to bench him on the game where he comes back and has a huge game. I guess I have more trust in Larry Fitzgerald than Eric Decker, which seems weird, which doesn't make any sense. But I'm a crazy person, so that's what I'm doing. So I hope I covered enough. I don't know if there's guys you were thinking of, but no, that's what no, I that's got right great. Now. So you're going you're gonna to play Fitzgerald, huh? You're going to risk I'm it? A more, I'm a lunatic, though. I, I understand. You know, I, I can understand that people are listening to this and they're like, that guy is crazy. You know what? You're right. I don't make any sense, but I... I for whatever reason, I decided, well, you know, I didn't draft them. But in most of my leagues, when I got them in one league and we play three receivers and every week, it's like, this is it. I'm totally benching them. And I'm like, up oh, Sunday morning, eh, he's in my lineup. He's my third guy. <laughs> so I'm not proud of it. You know, there's like a, I don't know if you watch Homeland or with uh, and yeah. Terry on the show. Showtime. Like, she's yeah. a brilliant CIA agent. But she's, she's, Loco. She's a little kooky. Like, I do that for whatever reason. Larry Fitzgerald is my Nick Brody. So, <laughs> I'm in love. I can't. I, the heart wants what it wants. And if it ever happens, that I, I think, actually, that I'm hanging on just to be able to be like, I told all you guys to stick with her. You know? And I mean, like, you know, just talking about, like, this is why you stick with your sons and everything. Uh, but uh, I, have, uh, I have a feeling I'm going to lose that league. That's what's probably going to happen. <laughs> Well, Rank, thank you so much for doing this today. Best of luck in all your fantasy leagues, and uh, let's hope that that Car Chase channel is up real soon, huh? I, you know what? I want the Car Chase channel up. I still want the uh, the red zones for uh, for uh, for movies. If people forget what that was, what we were talking about, yep. it's like you know, you have Showtime, you know, and you just have like a red zone command, and you're like, you know what? Over on. Uh, over on Homeland, Mrs. Brody's going to be, you know, she's going to be uh, without clothes in a few minutes. So you might want to go watch that. <laughs> you know, like that kind of, I just feel like the market is still there. I'm still pitching it around, you know, and people think it's, oh, that's cute. I'm like, no, this should happen. There's a, there's a website called Mr. Skin. Like, I feel that's like right. there's an audience for this. And there's a website called Sports-Casters. How ridiculous is that? Come on now. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. I don't mean. I don't mean. I don't mean to talk about other people's sites. I'm sorry. Thanks, Frank. <laughs> talk to you soon, bud. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, I want to thank Adam Rank for being on the show today. Really appreciate that. Always fun rapping with Adam. Truly, truly a very goofy and funny guy. <laughs> yeah. A um, couple of pieces of business before we move on. Don't forget, you can email us to sportscasters at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at sports underscore casters. And you can follow Football Nation, our partner at FBall Nation. Uh, a why, you might say, why would I want to email the sportscasters or send you a message on Twitter? <laughs> well, each week at the end of the show, we read a question from a listener. And if you email us or tweet us a question, we may very well read it on the air. And then you can tell all of your friends and family that you are on the sportscasters. Yeah, absolutely. Why wouldn't you want that? Yeah. 
Uh, don't forget to check out Season 3, Episode 4 of the Sportscasters Proper, featuring interviews with Tommy Tomlinson, Phil Taylor, and Chris Burke. You can find that at www.sports-casters.com, on iTunes, and on Stitcher Radio. And that leads us into the email. Steve, Don, I always hear you guys putting your guests on the spot, so it's time for me to put you on the spot. Okay. Who is going to the Super Bowl and who will win? All right. I look at the NFC and uh, for a division that seemed like the power conference, it seems like it's got a lot of flawed teams at the top right now. San Francisco and Green Bay would be easy choices. Atlanta, but we've said ad nauseum at this point. People are probably sick of hearing about how we just don't buy it, and we're going to have to at some point, I guess. They're 11-1, and one, for God's sakes. But uh, I want to say San Francisco, but I'm not sure how – threatening a team that has lost and tied to St. Louis can be. And uh, the offense is kind of limited. And Colin Kaepernick's going to have to come into his own quickly. He wasn't overly impressive against a bad Saints D. He wasn't overly impressive against a Seattle or a St. Louis D. And uh, I don't get it at all. Yeah. I mean, Alex Smith maybe is limited in his stature and ability, but he was 20 and six as a starter. But anyway, so I guess I'm going to have to go with green Bay in the NFC. I don't love their defense. They seem to almost play down to competition, but they have the best quarterback in the conference, if not the league. And, uh, that's enough for me. So I'm going to go green Bay and I really want to say Denver in the AFC, but I'm probably going to go new England. I, if New England beats Houston this next week, they're probably going to play every game at home throughout the playoffs with the exception of maybe Houston. I don't – we talked a little bit on the other podcast about how Houston is kind of the new kid and New England is the old champion and they got to beat the champion first. And I, I just don't think Houston's quite there yet. Again, I'd love to say Denver, but because I think they're going to have to go into New England at some point, I don't think they can do it. Peyton doesn't have the greatest success against Brady and Belichick if it comes down to that. So give me New England and Green Bay, and Buffalo fans aren't going to like it, but I'm going to say New England wins. I just don't think Brady's legacy is going to end with him losing three Super Bowls. Well, Don was kind of wishy about wishy-washy about it. I'm almost certain about it. The Packers are going to win the NFC, the Patriots are going to win the AFC, and the Packers are going to win the Super Bowl. Packers. What do you think that does? I, I think I would like to see that. As much as I I kind of like to watch great players, people in Buffalo hate Brady, which is kind of hard because the Bills have just been bad. It's not, I mean, part of that's Brady's fault, but he's just a great player, so you hate him. But what does that do to his legacy if he loses three Super Bowls, the last three he played in? All, well, all three since Spygate. I guess it depends on the way the games play out. First of all, the two Giants games... He showed he, he put he put his defense out on the field with a with lead. the lead, yeah. And I don't know if you can hang that on him. No, maybe not. But those de- those Giants defenses can get at the quarterback, but they're also not very good at covering the pass always. And again, they're very aver- It's a very average defense again this year, and that's kind of where they were last year. They had a bad pass defense. And I've heard time and time again from people that were in that corner of the stadium that when the Patriots got the ball back 
after the Plexico Burris touchdown that one of those really long passes down the left-hand side to Randy Moss absolutely should have been caught. Oh, Moss just that missed it? Moss missed it. Yeah. That Brady dropped it right in his hands. I, and I mean, look, I think even if he loses another Super Bowl, I think he's no worse than, what, the second-best quarterback maybe of all time? At, Behind Montana because Montana's got four or right. something like that. He's way up there. But still, I mean, the Giants have kind of shown if you can hit Brady, he's human. And in those games against him, he's it's been really low scoring, way below their their season averages. But as a, I don't know, as a Bills fan, I I can't decide. Like, am I more a fan of football at that point, and I want to see a great player be great one more time before he whatever rides off into the sunset, or do I want to see Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers win that game? I'd probably cheer for Green Bay, but that really wasn't the question. All right, one last thing for me, if you don't have anything else to add. Nope. Um, your last thing is, is a little more serious than mine. And the topics we talked about before were a little bit more serious. So this seems a little bit trivial, but Hey Jets, uh, what are you doing with Tim Tebow? You traded away real draft picks, uh, fourth and a sixth for Tebow and a seventh. You have Mark Sanchez, who you've appeared to destroy between the team, the locker room, uh, the media in New York. I mean, he maybe he's just a bad player, but maybe he's just done there. I mean, it seems like he's done there either way. And now you're you're split allegedly from the top down. The owner, Woody Johnson, has apparently said, and this is like one of them things a reporter heard from somebody type thing, but said Woody Johnson prefers Greg McElroy at QB and uh, General Manager Mike Tannenbaum and. Tony Sperano, offensive coordinator, prefer Mark Sanchez. Why isn't anybody talking about Tim Tebow? He took Denver to the playoffs, largely with his defense, but so what? The Jets win largely he with their defense. He also made a lot of plays in the fourth quarter of those games. Right. He just, he's a guy that just wins games. He's clutch. I don't want him as my quarterback necessarily, but when the alternative is Mark Sanchez and a guy I got to look for his name, Greg McElroy, who managed – combined one touchdown against the Arizona Cardinals who have lost eight straight games at this point. Why is this guy inactive? Why is he not even on the roster? We talked a lot earlier in the year about how poorly they do at scouting or at depth. They've got defensive players playing receiver. They've got Tebow covering punts. What did you bring this guy in for to be the guy that is the last line of protection before a punt sounds like they brought him in to get back page publicity right and you could argue maybe they did that with Brett Favre it sounds like they traded real draft picks for publicity yep for buzz and maybe those players I mean fourth and sixth rounder those aren't guarantees maybe those players never become anything in Denver but the Jets are quickly and again I have to say this is a Bills fan I know they blew us out week one but that's an embarrassing, embarrassing organization right now. and That was with Revis and Holmes, by the way, too. Not right. Yeah, I mean, that team needs a clean house. All right, one last thing. You know, there's kind of a hidden story in this Alex Smith losing his job for seemingly no reason other than having a concussion. Let me back up for a second. 
A hundred years ago in this country, the three biggest sports were boxing, horse racing, and baseball. A hundred years later, the only sport of those three that anyone really cares about is baseball. And probably if you took the same poll right now, you'd find that the three biggest sports in the United States right now are football, basketball, and baseball. The reason it didn't work out for boxing, I'm going to speculate, is because people were dying in the ring. And the effects that the sport was having on the people who chose to fight it, play it, they decided to try other things. And also lots of corruption mixed in. Yeah, and help. the multiple, multiple belts. and Yeah, but like you having maybe the greatest representative of your sport of all time being Shaking reduced to what he is yes. now can't help. Well, here's what I want to say about football. They have one problem. One really big problem, and it's called CTE. And right now there's a lawsuit with hundreds if not thousands of former players yeah, it's thousands. who are suing the league because of the effects that playing the game had on their mental health at a very early age after retirement. Well, the league has done a decent job in putting protocol into place to try to identify players who have concussions and protect them from themselves, to protect them from saying, yeah, I have a concussion, but I'm going to go back out there and be a man and, you know, potentially get injured earlier. Here's a little interesting interview from Alex Smith. He was asked about his demotion, and he said, I mean, it sucks. I don't know what else to say. I feel like the only thing I did to lose my job was get a concussion. He was then asked if he regrets telling doctors that he had blurred vision and concussion symptoms. No, I'm not looking back on that. No, no. He was then asked if he thinks his demotion will cause other players to conceal concussion symptoms. This is where it gets interesting. I don't know. It's a good question. I'm not sure. I mean, that's the kind of the deal with all the injuries. The thing with the concussions in the brain, I think we are going to be finding a lot more in the years to come. So he kind of danced around the question a little bit, but I bet what he wanted to say is yes. What player, knowing that Simply receiving a concussion is enough to cost you your job might not fib about that concussion. And a lot of diagnosing concussions is on the players admitting the symptoms that they're feeling. You can't see a concussion. There's no actual birds flying around a helmet after the injury. And... This is really scary. This whole thing is really scary the way this plays out. And I don't, I'm not going to be here in 100 years, but I don't want my great grandson here and not being able to love football as much as I did 
because the issue of concussion took the sport to the place that the problems of boxing took boxing. Spin 